Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to spend our time in just one verse. Mark chapter 13, verse 14. In the middle of Jesus' last week in Jerusalem, leading up to the crucifixion, Jesus took a moment to pull back the veil and give a glimpse of what was going to come to pass in the future. This has become known as the Olivet Discourse, and it includes an unprecedented time of trouble upon the earth before Jesus returns. Verse 14 is where Jesus taught that an event he called the abomination of desolation would occur. And this raises some questions. What is this event referring to? Has it already happened or is it yet to come? Well, this wasn't the first reference to these events. The prophet Daniel was used by God to reveal things about the end times also. So Pastor Jim is going to go there this week to shed light upon what Jesus taught about it and bring them together to more clearly understand things that will come to pass before Christ's return. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The Abomination of Desolation. Israel's temporary peace is going to be shattered, and Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by enemy nations threatening to destroy her in an unprecedented kind of way. So here's a real quick overview of a sequence of events. The rapture happens. That is a signless event. No one knows the day or the hour. If anybody tells you that they know when the rapture is going to happen, you're you're listening to a false prophet, or at least a very deceived, misguided one. If anyone tells you they know what year it's going to happen, they're lying to you. Nobody knows. This has been imminent. Paul said it could have happened in his day. We who are alive and remain, he said, at that time, almost 1,900 years ago. But it's going to happen. The rapture happens, and then the birth pangs start. The world is in chaos. Out of that, the Antichrist rises to power. He heads up a confederation of nations. He's going to be a world leader like none ever before. At that same time, Israel's going to quickly rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. How do we know that? Well, there are specific prophecies of things that have to happen in the temple in Jerusalem. And right now, we're fresh out of Jewish temples in Jerusalem and have been since A.D. 70. There are people around the world today who have already stockpiled all the materials they need. When the time comes, that temple is going to happen really, really fast. Well, the Antichrist makes his pact with Israel, guaranteeing them security and safety for seven years. Uh, For a while, he protects Israel. But then his true character, his hatred for Israel is unmasked. And while occupying Israel under the guise of providing protection, he's going to desecrate the temple, stop the sacrifices that have been going on there, and commit his version of the abomination of desolation. The temple is going to remain in that condition until the second coming 
three and a half years later, 1260 days, plus 30 for the judgments, plus 45 for setting up the kingdom. Now, when Antiochus Epiphanes, sort of the junior abomination of desolation guy, when he committed his awful desecration, he sacrificed a pig on the altar in Israel, just in your face of everything about what God says in the sacrificial system. And he set up in the temple an idol to the pagan god Zeus. When the Antichrist commits his brand of abomination, he's not going to defer to Zeus or any other god. He's going to set himself up as God. Notice how Jesus worded it when you see this abomination standing in the holy place. That might be a little bit unclear by itself, but we know from other texts this is going to be nothing less than this satanically empowered, satanically motivated man demanding that the world worships him. It's described also in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4. There, some people had swooped into Thessalonica and told them that the day of the Lord was here. And Paul says, "Uh, no, it's not. And he says this, let no one in any way deceive you for it, referring to the day of the Lord, will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, same as the Antichrist, same as the prince who is to come, that son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple displaying himself as being God. He's going to demand, worship me. Now, we don't have to explore it all, but just one more little facet of this I think will help you. The Antichrist is going to be the master deceiver of all times. It it describes things he does that that, that he does uh, lying miracles and signs and wonders. There's a a legitimate debate over whether he actually does miracles that deceive or he's such a good deceiver that he can make it look like he's doing, doing miracles. The point is, it doesn't matter. He's going to deceive and either... If he does have miraculous powers, he's going to find a way to die and come to life again. But only God can do that. So I think, this all, I think it's all a hoax. I think it's all a, a, a deception. And then he's going to pull off this apparent resurrection. Who would you want to copy more than Jesus if you want the world to worship you? And he's going to cross over from this worldwide political dictator to being a false god himself. John puts it this way in John 13, verse 8. All who dwell on the earth, and the book of Revelation, earth dwellers or those who dwell on the earth, that's kind of code for the unbelievers at that time. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Anyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. That's what Jesus is referring to back in Mark 13, 14. When you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should be, and let's stop with this next phrase, let the reader understand. Now, that's 
really interesting. How much of your Bible are you supposed to understand? The whole thing, right? So here's something really significant when you have the words in your Bible that says, let the reader understand. Now notice, the words have been placed in parentheses by the translators, and that's, that's true because it isn't part of the prophecy. Daniel didn't say, let the reader understand, only this passage in the Olivet Discourse. It is the command to you and me today. Of everything else that we've been studying, the only command to you and me is, make sure you understand. All right? Order from God. If you don't understand this, you haven't yet been able to put together the Bible because this is the nexus of Bible prophecy. Now, let the reader understand. There are two possibilities concerning that phrase in parentheses. One is, it might be something Matthew and Mark were inspired to add. If so, it's, it's their instruction, their inspired instruction. The Holy Spirit said it through them. It's their instruction for those who would come later, not the hearers that day. Jesus didn't say, come on, you guys, understand this. It's let the reader understand. Um, making sure that everybody who ever read this would know how important it is to understand it. So it could have been Matthew and Mark's way of saying that this is going to be crucial information for those who are alive in the time of the fulfillment of this. I take it that way. But the other legitimate possibility is maybe Jesus actually said those words. And we come to the same conclusion. If it was Jesus saying it, it's Him saying He expects this text to be studied and corroborated with Daniel and understood by those who are alive in the final days before His coming and all who live in between to know that this is the beginning of the worst of the birth pangs. Now, I tend to think Matthew and Mark were inspired to put this in here because I can't see Jesus talking to the disciples. He's going to have their attention. And He says... When you see the abomination of desolation, let the reader understand. I can just see Peter saying, who's reading? (laughs) Reading what? I think this is inserted by the Holy Spirit so that we understand God the Holy Spirit put all of this together in the Scripture for us. By the way, can you imagine the intensity with which people who come to believe in Christ during the tribulation are going to study the prophetic portions of the Bible? Well, the whole Bible, for that matter. Now, how do we apply a message on this subject? You're the reader. I'm I'm the reader. We're ordered to understand. Now you understand how the Antichrist is going to defile the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, how that event is a, a crucial sign of the very near coming of Jesus Christ. But what does that do for you today? Tomorrow, in your walk with Jesus Christ, well, don't go to Israel and defile the Jewish temple. That's a pretty easy one. There is no temple. You can't get there and do that. Understand, this prophecy of Daniel, it's over 2,500 years old. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.